Welcome to Masters of Data, the podcast where we talk about how data affects our businesses and our lives. And we talk to the people on the front line of the data revolution. And I'm your host, Ben Newton. You know, it can sometimes feel like we live in a really scary world today. We've been happily searching away on Google, Instagramming our life, and sharing on Facebook. All with an expectation that we have some sort of control over our own story. It's not like we don't know that there's some big brother action going on, but it doesn't really penetrate the veil of our everyday work and our personal lives. It feels like that's changed now for a lot of us. The revelations of Russian hackers influencing our election, Facebook data being used to manipulate our voting patterns, and an endless parade of stories about yet another company being hacked and offering us the pittance of credit monitoring software to make up for the loss of our personal information. It's in that context that we're going to talk to George Gerchow today, the Chief Information Security at Sumologic. George and I did this interview during one of the biggest security conferences on the planet, RSA, and in the midst of a lot of noise about data privacy. In particular, a lot of people are talking about the new privacy regulations coming out of the European Union, the General Data Protection Regulation. So let's dive in. Thank you for coming on the Masters of Data podcast. It's good to have you here. It's my pleasure. Like I said before, Ben, any chance I get to work with you is always great. We've worked together now for three years. Isn't that crazy? Three plus years. It feels like 10. <laughs> it sure does. It sure does. And a lot of that's probably me, but it does feel like 10. But either way, it's been a pleasure, man. I'm glad to be here. Well, thank you for coming on. And uh, you are the Chief Information Security Officer at uh, Sumo Logic, and a lot of things are going on. Maybe you can talk to me a little, George, about how you kind of came to be where you are. You're working, you know, uh, in security at one of the cutting edge companies in Silicon Valley. How did you how did you end up where you are? Where did you start? That, that's actually a really good question and something that I like to talk about. So I was at VMware where I came through an acquisition and I was a double boomerang at VMware, which means I was there twice within like four years. So that's what they call me, a double boomerang. Um, and when I was there, I mean, I enjoyed my time there. I ran the Center for Policy and Compliance there where we did heavy content around security and compliance, especially related to vSphere and cut, cutting edge workloads. Because think about where we're at now, right? We're a cloud native company, you know, with built on microservices. Well, VMware was sort of there 10 years ago. You know, they were the bleeding edge of technology at the time. And so an interesting thing happened to me, though, like right around 2014 or so, Everyone was talking about AWS and everyone started talking about cloud and security people like me were actually telling people not to go to the cloud because their workloads would be insecure. In fact, I had a saying, Ben, that was called, if it's core, it stays on the floor. <laughs> and people yell that out to me all the time now. Like, like I'll go to a conference. I'll be like, yeah, cloud. Yeah, great. Microservices, CICD. And someone will be like, what happened to its core? It stays on the floor, girl child. And so I wanted to work for a bleeding edge company. Like you said, I wanted to be in the Valley and, you know, the opportunity at Sumo came up to work with great people. Um, and so I, I, I took the job and I have no regrets. As part of you being a chief information security officer, you know, from everything I know, data is the lifeblood of security. And we were talking a little bit before about how really important data is to what you do. Can you, you talk to me about it, like how data is part of your everyday? Yeah, absolutely. And you just said it, you know, it's uh, not just lifeblood. We call data currency. You know, like that's the way we refer to it in security is like data is the new form of currency. And it, it's such a great point because in the past you would have to do security 
half blind. Your budget was dependent upon how much data you could gather. It'd be like, ooh, you know what? I can't afford to get those logs, so I'm not going to get them, and so I'm going to do my job, and my team will do my job half blind. So where now we're starting to move into this position to where the more data we get, the more resilient we can be. We can do historical information with current analysis and then future trends based upon that data. So the time is actually now to be able to, to build data lakes and start really investigating a multitude of data across different types of workloads. So you're right. It is lifeblood. It is currency without a doubt. Well, you know, uh, George and I are actually getting ready to go on stage in not too long we to talk are. about data privacy. <laughs> We're at the uh, RSA conference, and it, it really occurs to, to me, I, I, you know, we both were talking before how we love to listen to NPR, we love to listen to, yes. uh, to, to news, and one of the things that's been coming up in the news a lot recently is about data privacy. And so I, I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about that. I mean, how, what do you see from your side has really changed about data's um, privacy in particular in the last couple of years? I think people are becoming aware, you know? People are starting to realize that, you know, every motion on the internet is data that's being gathered about you to either market to you or to hack you, yeah. you know? And sometimes it's both of those. And so it, it's, you know, it goes way beyond the enterprise. I mean, it goes down to just personal use. If you look at, you know, like, how cool it is that you know you'd be out with your kids somewhere, or your family, and then you check in on Facebook somewhere and tell the world, "Hey, look how cool my life is." You know, I'm here with my family doing all this stuff. All of a sudden, all that's being used against you. You know, before it was, "Don't check into certain locations because then people know you're away from home and they can rob your house." But now it's also people know how to market to you, how you're using your data, how your family structure looks like, and it's pretty scary, you know. And then that that information's being sold. You know, and a lot of it starts with the current administration, not to be too political, but the fact that now the current administration today is allowing these uh, telecom providers to sell and use your data as wow. well, too. That's really, really rough, you know, so you're seeing more things from a security threat like Tor proxies, you know, so people, common users, my parents who are, you know, in their 70s are using Tor proxies to be able to protect their identity. So tell me a little bit more about what that is, because I'm not sure everybody Yeah, 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 is. yeah. So, so a Tor proxy is a way of masking your identity. So it's like being behind a VPN within a VPN. And, and so by using that, before when you saw a Tor proxy pop up, like in Sumo Logic, we were able to detect with uh, some of our threat feed information, hey, this person's coming in to a Tor proxy. It was something unique. It was either someone who mm. had malicious intent that was trying to keep themselves anonymous, or it was just someone who was a security professional that was trying to be anonymous. Well, now you're seeing everyday users do it because they're trying to protect their identity, which leads me to GDPR, you know? So... Um, GDPR, I think, is necessary because now. now what it's, does that stand for? Yeah, yeah. So it's government data, um, data. Uh, it's government data protection regulation. Okay. Is what it stands for, and it's uh, under privacy, though. You know, all this starts and ends with privacy. Privacy is what everyone on the planet cares about. GDPR is just the beginning. Japan just released their own version of privacy acts. Everyone is starting to go down this path. And is GDPR just a European thing, or is that a, is that a bigger? It, Great question. It's huge. It's worldwide because if you do business with any country or any company that does business in EMEA or have partners that do business with any companies or customers in EMEA, you're now held under the regulation. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize that. So it really does have a pretty wide effect. And that's about to come into 
into uh, into play now officially, right? Very soon. Yeah, yeah. May twenty fifth of twenty eighteen wow. is GDPR so, D Day. So people are freaking out, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. You know, it's so funny because like uh, Jen Brown, who's our DPO, and she's just awesome. What's a DPO? Yeah, so it's a data protection officer. Okay. Um, and so depending on how you do business, how large of an organization you are, you have to have one appointed. Okay. Um, so let's get back to that in a second because I want to talk about the, the other point you brought up, which is people freaking out. So last year, you know, uh, Jen Brown, our DPO, and I were like, man, how come other people aren't looking at this? How, how come other people aren't like, you know, looking at all the different articles, going through their business processes, handling of data, and then a DPA, which is a data protection agreement, which we'll talk about here in a second. And then we both said, you know what, wait until January 1st, 2018, and then panic is going to set in, which is exactly what happened. It, it does seem to be coming up a lot more. I don't. I don't think many people knew what it was just a few months ago, and now it's 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 all over the, it's the ex- internet and exploding, exploding. So so I don't know if you know this or not, but we created a self service portal at Sumo Logic. Uh, the self service portal allows prospects and customers to come in and answer their own security questions. They can look at like our certification association results. On there under NDA, so it's on NDA wrap, but we also put a DPA in there, which is a data protection agreement, uh, to where they can download it, sign it, and then it goes back to our legal team. That DPA is by far the number one downloaded document at Sumo Logic, and it's only been alive for two weeks. We've had over 160 prospects and customers without any outside publication or training really on it, and the DPA by far is the leader. Wow. Well, you know, and, and I think, no, from at least me personally, I have definitely been hearing more about this recently because of everything that's going on kind of in the public sphere. You know, Zuckerberg was in front of Congress, yep. hearing about hackers, uh, people misusing data from Facebook. I mean, honestly, it's it's getting a little scary. I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you kind of see that from your perspective doing what you do? Yeah, so, so for us, you're right, it's scary, you know, because what I want to do ultimately is... You're a customer of mine. I mean, even though you're within Sumo, you're a customer of mine. So I want to make sure your data is protected. Our customers' data is protected. We had a real advantage because everything in our environment was encrypted anyway. Yeah. But then we've had to do some tech things to go beyond that. Things like DLP or data loss prevention, which is something we didn't have before. Uh, Things like really going through with every, every line of business, whether it's HR or whether it's marketing and going, how do you handle data? You know, so from, from, think about from a HR perspective, we're hiring an EMEA. So all of a sudden we have someone from EMEA that's coming on board. What is your process for those applicants, that applicant data, protecting that data, which all of this leads to like the, the, the hard, most hardcore part of it, which is right to erasure. You know, and it's, and you going back to something you had said before too, it, it seems like part of what this, what's going on here too, is there's a growing recognition of this. Cause I mean, I listened to some of the excerpts on NPR about, <laughs> yes. uh, uh, about the, uh, the the Zuckerberg interviews, and it just kind of amazed me some of the questions that are being being asked. But I think it's representative of the wider American community. I don't think many people really understand this at all. They don't understand what they're giving away no. and what they're putting themselves at risk for. It's not free, right? I'm doing right. quotes right now. And, and look, here's what I'll say. I'm going to give the younger generation a ton of credit right now because the younger generation, and I mean teenagers, Notice this trend a few years ago. Hmm. So they were on Facebook when they hit a certain age because their parents were and they wanted to see all the cool things they did growing up. And then they were like, ah, Facebook's not for me because, you know, there's just too much information. My parents can see everything I'm doing. I'm going away. So then they went to Instagram. Then Facebook bought Instagram. Now they're all on Snapchat. 
And Snapchat was really created around privacy. You know, so I'm a Snapchat user because my kids are on Snapchat. And you can actually tell if someone does a screenshot of one of your snaps. Really? Yeah. And it's and you can't tell who's watching your video, your snap. Anyone else can't. So being a third party, like even though you follow me, you can't tell if someone else is liking my stuff or seeing it. It is based on privacy. So I think kids, younger kids today are already getting this notion to where as adults, we're kind of learning this lesson the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, uh, it just, it just reminds me of hearing the, uh, interviews and Orin, Orin Hatch asking Zuckerberg oh, how they made their money, what their business model was. <laughs> Sir, we sell ads. <laughs> but I don't think he's the only one that doesn't realize that. That's, that's, I think that's really fascinating. These younger kids have grown up under this, being connected 24 by 7 pretty much yes. their whole lives now. Yes, yes, their, their whole lives. And so if you take this back to the enterprise now, it's almost the same thing. I mean, look, you know, whenever you and I, like in fact when we were talking about this and you were kind enough to extend the invitation, we did it via Slack. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're leveraging Slack. We're leveraging email. We're leveraging text messages at work. All these different communication mediums that we're using. And where's that data going? How's that data being protected? Who can use that data? Who can resell that data? There's a lot to be considered there. Now, here's the other thing I'll say about that, which we'll talk about tonight. When you're doing business with a vendor, stop and think about that in the enterprise. Whatever vendor it is, you're giving up information to those vendors. So what does that information look like? Is it really PII? Is it PII that, that fits into GDPR? Or is it nation state PII that can fit into the US, social security numbers and everything else? I mean, it's just so complex and especially with how much data we're getting today, which you're an expert in, right? I mean, your whole job is metrics upon data. That's yeah. what you live and breathe. And you know that the amount of these data buckets is ridiculous from these different data sources. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, I always love that... Uh that uh, metric that's been quoted, something like uh, in 2020, there's going to be 16 zettabytes wow. of data. And uh, that's like watching the whole Netflix catalog 30 million times back to back. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it just blows your mind. But, they, but then there's not, you know, you and I have been in this industry for a long time. And I mean, the slapdash way that people still handle their data is, is both ridiculous and frightening at the same time. I mean, it's... It, well, it goes back to the Warren Hatch thing you said. A lot of people just don't know. You no. know, I mean, um, it's a it's a generation thing. It's an education thing, and it's even like a, kind of what I said in the beginning. It's funny to me that one of the things that I've instilled in our team, one of our mantras, is agility. Who would have thought that a security team would say we have to be agile? And the reason why we have to be agile is because there's so much data coming at you from so many different data sources and you have to automate all this privacy and technology functionality on top of it just to be able to keep up with it. I mean, it's insane, but I do believe that. I believe that security teams today have to, have got to be agile. Oh, no, I hear you. Well, I mean, as, as part of that, tell me a little bit about where you think this is going. And I'd, I'd say answer it in two ways. What, first of all, how do you think this is going from what you do every day? You know, what what's, what are some big changes and trends you're seeing? And then secondarily, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, just in general about privacy, you know, at the, uh, let's call it the public level, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, policy or whatever. I mean, t talk to me a little bit more about that. Sure. So, I mean, just the day-to-day -day right now, it's just going to be really, really hard to keep up with all the emerging regulations. Mm. And you may or may not care. I mean, let's face it, you know, like, what you have to do is the second point that you brought up, which I love. I care about privacy. 
you care about privacy, but you may not care about an individual regulation that affects a certain part of the world. So the whole idea is to build a deep, mature privacy program, measure regulations against it, and then do a gap analysis on the risk of, do I accept moving forward into this regulation? Or do I just say, you know what, it's worth the risk, I'm not gonna remediate, I'll get there eventually. But a mature privacy program sets you up for success no matter what the regulation may be, then you can do a gap analysis to remediation if you want. But the important part is just understanding the flow of data. Like yeah. that is the biggest thing by far. If you can get a handle on the flow and control of data, you're gonna be way further ahead than most people. But this is not gonna go away, Ben. Like, yeah. and, and, and that's why, like, like, again, like one of the things I was telling you, you've gotta automate everything. Like the self-service portal, that literally automated an FTE. Yeah. Completely. So then that way, when you know I go to the CFO and I say, listen, we've automated all these this functionality, but we're getting this much pressure coming in because of privacy, then I can establish another FTE to automate some other things as well, too. Because this whole this whole thing's gotta be automated. You cannot have, you know, again, if you're gonna be agile, you can't have manual intervention when it comes to privacy and protection of data. Yeah, and you you've got to apply the human intelligence, the human experience at the right points. Mm -hmm. Not in doing things that are basically repeatable. Exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, and tell me a little bit more about, you know, some of the public policy stuff that we're talking about. Where do you see, based on your experience, where do you see that going? Are we going to see GDPR in the U.S.? I mean, where do you think things are really turning around? Because, I mean, this is something people have been asking for a oh. long time. <laughs> oh, man, it's such a political thing you're asking right now because I'm, I'm going to upset some people. So, in some ways, the U.S. is way further ahead. You know, I'll give you a great example. Um, data breach notification. That wasn't something that was instilled in Europe at enterprises, you know? So it was more, if I get breached, I don't have to tell anyone. Because it was nothing like PCI, like SOX, or like uh, HIPAA okay. forcing it out. We've always been pretty good about that. Now, look, there's been a lot of companies in the news lately who have been slow about announcing their breaches. But for the most part, everywhere I've ever worked, we've had a data breach notification program. So we've been pretty good about it. Um, but I do think, I think this is where it's headed, and I hope it's headed. I think there's going to be one common global privacy regulation that attacks PII no matter what nation you live in. And it's got to be that because or else what we can't do, and we haven't talked about this, is cripple the way we do business because of each emerging privacy regulation. Mm, yeah. Think about Spain, man. Look, and you hablo español, you know, like I love my, my folks out in Spain, but there's like five different factions in Spain. And each one of them wants to break off and start their own privacy regulation. Now multiply that across each country in Europe, and then mm. multiply that across each country in Asia. Where are we going to be at? It's kind of like the way we work from a federal perspective to a state perspective. Mm. We got to do more things like at that top line level, you know. So I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. But then eventually there's going to be some overarching type uh, policy. Yeah, and maybe, maybe it takes something like these things that have been going on with Facebook and the Russian hackers in the election to really change how people are thinking about things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It could be, you know, so public awareness is a good thing. We're seeing it now in the media with things like Facebook. It's just going to get better from there. Um, but here's going to be the, the, one of the parting thoughts I'll leave you with. Like June 1st of uh, 2018, somebody, I'm going to hope it ain't us, <laughs> and I feel sorry for whoever it is, is going to get audited by the European Union via GDPR. <laughs> And it's gonna be nasty. And we're gonna learn a lot, and the public's gonna learn a lot, and then we'll improve from there. Yeah. Well, George, I really appreciate you taking the time. As always, I love talking to you. Oh, man, it's great talking to you, Ben.
This has been a lot of fun. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in to Masters of Data and uh, look forward to the uh, next podcast in your feed. Thanks everybody. Masters of Data is brought to you by Sumo Logic. Sumo Logic is a cloud-native machine data analytics platform delivering real-time continuous intelligence as a service to build, run, and secure modern applications. Built for the speed and agility requirements of the analytics economy, SumoLogic empowers the people who power modern business. For more information, go to sumologic.com.